Welcome to Kingdom.Think, where we are reading the Bible in one year, and today we are covering, we're in the book of Ezekiel, and he was, so I would say he was a prophet, but he was from the priestly family, and he was one of the Israelites that was taken into Babylon. So God is speaking through Ezekiel to warn the people of that were the Israelites that were in Babylon, to encourage them, to teach them, to get, to move them toward repentance, um, and give them hope, I'm, I'm assuming. So <clears throat> we are in chapters 7, 8, and 9. And this is such a powerful chapter. Possibly one of the most powerful chapters that you could even read. Um, if someone was just to read chapter 7, they would say, gosh, this God, he's, he's kind of mean. He does terrible things. Look, he's in control of all the disaster. That's why you never want to read the Bible out of context, because they're wrapped in this after, around before this chapter and after this chapter is so much mercy, compassion, grace, love, desperation. God is desperate for his people to repent. He's desperate for his children to turn away from their wicked ways and to repent and just to worship God. That's all. Give up the idols. Stop the nonsense. Stop the evil but they are not so good at listening. Okay, so let's read chapter seven, and I'm gonna read, oh my gosh, it's so powerful. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man. This is what the sovereign Lord says to the land of Israel. The end, the end has come upon the four corners of the land. The end has is now upon you, and I will unleash my anger against you. I will judge you according to the conduct and repay you all for your detestable practices. So there you go. God is not just trying to throw wrath at everybody and be angry. He's not a God sitting up on the clouds in anger, looking for, desperately looking for people to do bad so he can throw lightning bolts at them or famine or plagues or awful things. Not at all. That is so contrary to who God is. Instead, he has to bring justice because there's so much idolatry, detestable practices injustice that they are bringing it upon their themselves it's like a parent who keeps warning their child you need to stop doing that you got to stop doing that okay don't do that you know you you got to stop you got to stop hanging around with those people or doing that stealing or whatever he keeps telling them and they don't and they don't and they don't and eventually they have to be punished eventually but it was all because of their actions. Um, verse four, I will not look on you with pity. I will not spare you. I will surely repay you for your conduct and the detestable practices among you. Then you will know that I am the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Disaster, unheard of disaster. See it come. The end has come. The end has come. The it has roused itself against you. See it come. Doom has come upon you, upon you who dwell in the land. The time has come. The day is near. There is panic, not joy on the mountains. I am about to pour out my wrath on you and spend my anger against you. I will judge you according, I will judge you according to your conduct. So we do not judge other people. Only God judges. He's the only one who can. 
but he judges only according to our conduct and repay you for all your detestable practices. I will not look on you with pity. I will not spare you. I will repay you for your conduct. Um, I'm going to move down because he's going to go into detail about his wrath. Violence has risen. Okay. Um, doo -doo -doo -doo. Because of their sins, for the vision concerning the whole crowd, because of their sins, not one of them will preserve their life. Because of their sins, cause and effect. They are responsible. Every one of them, every one of us, you, are responsible for your actions and your thoughts and where you allow your heart and mind to go. Everyone has to take full responsibility. So they're going to be, they're going to die by the sword, the plague, famine. It's terrible. It goes into great detail about the terrible things that will happen and how their wealth, their arrogance will be thrown out. Every face will be covered with shame and every head will be shaved. They will throw their silver into the streets and their gold will be treated as things unclean. Their silver and gold will not be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. I will bring the most wicked nations to take possession of their houses. Oof. I will put an end to the pride of the mighty and their sanctuaries will be desecrated. When terror comes, they will seek peace in vain, calamity upon calamity. So as you can see, chapter 7 is heavy, right? It's like the wrath of God is falling upon these people. And it's because of their sins. What sins specifically? Because now we're like, oh, wow, this is bad. What sins specifically? Because, you know, I don't want to be caught up in committing sins that I don't didn't realize that I was doing. God makes it so clear. So very clear. There, chapter 8. Idolatry. So, so he, Ezekiel was sitting with the elders. And he was sitting there and God appeared, gave him a vision. He's speaking through to him in a vision. The spirit. So he goes into, he sees God. Um, I looked and I saw a figure like that of a man from what appeared to be his waist down. He was like fire. And from there up, his appearance was bright as a glowing metal. He stretched out what looked like a hand and took me by the hair of my head. The spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven. And in a vision, the God, vision of God, he took the, he took me to Jerusalem, to the entrance of the north gate of the inner court, where the idol that provokes to jealousy stood. And there between me was the glory of the Lord of Israel, as in the vision I had seen in the, in the plain. Then he said to me, Son of man, look toward the north. So I looked, and in the entrance north of the gate of the altar, I saw the idol of jealousy. And he said, Son of man, do you see what they are doing? the utterly detestable things the Israelites are doing there, things that will drive me far from my sanctuary, but you will see things that are even more detestable. Um, it reminds me of Scrooge when the spirits took him to go see his past, his future, his present. And <laughs> I wonder if this is where they got the theme from of the story Scrooge. Anyways, probably not, because it wasn't Ezekiel who, need to, who needed to change. It was the whole people is the Israelite people. And God is giving 
a vision through Ezekiel. So he's seeing, see, see all these things they're doing? They're worshiping this idol. Let me show you even more detestable things. Worse than this. Then he brought me to the entrance of the court. I looked and I saw a hole in the wall. And he said to me, son of man, now dig into the wall. So I dug into the wall and saw a doorway there. And then he said, go in and see the wicked, detestable things they are doing here. So I went in and looked and I saw portrayed all over the walls, all kinds of crawling things and unclean animals and the idols of Israel in the door that in front of them stood 70 elders of Israel and Jazaniah and sons of Shaphan was standing among them. Each had a censer in his hand and a fragrant cloud of incense was rising. He said to me, son of man, have you seen what the elders of Israel are doing in the darkness, each, of, each at the shrine of his own idol? They say, the Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. Again, he said, you will see them doing things that are even more detestable. So he's showing them all the idolatry that even the leaders of the church are doing in Israel. And it's awful. They are worshiping idols. And we're reading a story of the Israelites, right? Of God's given them a vision. But remember, God is timeless. So how, is there any clue to maybe, does this, is there any correlation? Let's put it that way. Is there any correlation? Oftentimes when we watch a movie or read a story, we go, hmm, how does my life apply to that? What would I would have done in that situation? Who am I? How does it relate to me? It always, always triggers your own life. That's what stories do. So how does this story affect our own life? Do we have idols in our life? Do we say we're God um, followers? We're Christians. We love Jesus, but yet we're doing detestable things. Like what would that be? Not loving our neighbors, um, adultery, stealing, lying, allowing our thoughts to think evil things committing adultery on our mind even because God searches our heart and our mind, having unforgiveness, hatred, or are we idolizing another person, a partner, a loved one, a child? Are we putting that person before God? Our wealth? Um, or are we just like putting God on the back burner? You know, like we just see God on Easter and Christmas. Maybe we even visit him on Sundays at church. We think that's going to get us through our week. But are we really having a heart transformation, a mind transformation? And that doesn't mean you're going to be a slave and have to be this perfect um, person living in fear that God's going to throw down his wrath. It's not like that at all. It's freedom beyond your comprehension. It's as if you were walking around with hazy glasses. And then somebody finally gives you a clear pair of glasses. And all of a sudden, everything's clear. The clouds are bluer. The trees are more brilliant. That's what it's like to live in freedom. And when you get rid of these unclean spirits, that's what freedom feels like. That's all God's saying. He wants his people to live and in, in freedom. And instead, they're not living in freedom. They're allowing these unclean spirits cause them to do bad behavior 
And because of that, they have to suffer consequences. But God's calling them to repentance. He's pointing it out through Ezekiel, through the prophet Isaiah, through Jeremiah, through bringing Jesus here on earth. But are we really listening? So how does it relate to us? So then we move on to chapter 9. So the judgment actually happens. Still through the vision of Ezekiel. And then he takes he takes him... Um, Basically, maybe they're spirits, and God brings call, calls out these spirits to go down to Jerusalem and fulfill the destruction that's going to happen. However, here's the most amazing part, and this still does apply to today. Okay, I'm going to move down on chapter 9, verse, looks like verse um, 7. Now the glory of Israel went upon, no, went up from above the cherubim where it had been and moved to the threshing of the temple then the lord called to the man clothed in linen which is the beginning of the chapter he called upon these um, spirits Um, one of them was in linen who had the writing kit at his side and said to him go through the city of jerusalem and put a mark on the foreheads of those who will grieve and lament over all the detestable things that are done in it. So basically, he's telling the spirit, this man clothed in linen, who has a writing kit, go to the city of Jerusalem and all of the people who actually are crying out in repentance, who lament, mourn and grieve and call out to the Lord, who repent of their sins, turn from their wicked ways, get rid of their evil ways. He says, go put a mark on their forehead. And then he said, the other spirits, now go into the land. Oh, okay, let me just read it. As I listened, he said to the others, follow him through the city and kill without showing pity on or compassion. Slaughter the old men, the young men and women, the mothers and children, but do not touch anyone who has the mark. Begin at my sanctuary. So they began with the old men who were in front of the temple. Then he said to them, Defile the temple and fill the courts with slain. Go. So they went out and began killing throughout the city. While they were killing and I was left alone, I fell face down, crying out, Alas, sovereign Lord, are you going to destroy the entire remnant of Israel? In this outpouring of your wrath in Jerusalem, he answered me, The sin of the people of Israel and Judah is exceedingly great. The land is full of bloodshed, and the city is full of injustice. They say the Lord has forsaken the land. The Lord does not see. So I will not look on them with pity and spare them, but I will bring down on their own heads what they have done. Then the man in the linen in the writing kit with the writing kit at his side brought back word saying i have done as you commanded isn't that the most powerful three chapters you could ever imagine god speaking so clearly who could be the man in the linen i don't know if this is accurate some of the theologians out there would disagree that's totally fine and maybe i'll change my mind later but right now it feels like is that jesus this is like a depiction where Jesus died on the cross. And when you accept Jesus into your life, 
you have this mark. You have the mark where the wrath can pass you by and you're not affected because you are saved from the consequences of the sins of the world. You are, he is the savior. Um, Pretty powerful, right? Now, people take it lightly, I think, because the enemy has made our culture, our society, so hoity-toity, bougie, and wealthy that we think we're better than all of this biblical stuff. We think we are beyond, and we keep God so simple. We keep the salvation of Jesus so simple, as if it wasn't powerful, as if it wasn't real. Just another tradition that we do at Christmas and Easter. But when you read these three chapters, you realize how powerful salvation really is, that God doesn't sit on a cloud trying to just strike people down, or that you can play religiosity and just pray on Sunday and do awful things during the week and get away with it, like God doesn't see. Of course he sees. That's what the whole Bible talks about. Change your heart. Change your mind. Not because he's trying to control you and make you miserable, because he wants you to experience freedom in this life and in eternity. That's what these three chapters are about. So incredible. I'm, I don't know. These are just probably my most favorite chapters. They're so powerful. Okay, my friends, that was a long one. Yes, indeed. Chapters 7, 8, and 9 of Ezekiel. Definitely go back and read it. Amazing, amazing word from the Lord. Okay, there you go. Have a great day, and I shall see you very soon.